0: Good morning, friends. Good morning. Well, welcome to Myers Park United Methodist Church on this Trinity Sunday, first Sunday after Pentecost. We're so grateful that we can gather here in this space in person as those of you joining us online or wherever you may be. With all the things that we can be doing on this Sunday, we are here and we're grateful for that. My name is Uyan. I'm one of the pastors here at our church. Uh, we especially want to make note of those of you who may be uh, somewhat new or first-time visitor, please let us know of who you are. And I'm grateful to be joined by my friend and colleague, Pastor Nathan. He's going to let us know how we can connect with each other.
1: Absolutely. So we do want to know who you are and how we can um, best come together as the body of Christ and in our community. So you'll find that pew pad on the end of each pew. Those who are joining us online, take a moment to do the online registration as well. That way we don't just inundate you with things, but you become informed and you become a part of the church family here and ways that we can go out into our community and make some generational transformation One thing that I want to highlight for us this morning is it started this morning, but it continues throughout the summer as common space. It's a gathering in room 108 at 945. It's a great place to engage with familiar faces, meet new faces, and journey through the scriptures together as we continue to grow in our faith. And part of that growing is worshiping. And so let us now worship God with all of our hearts. Let's continue to praise God by affirming our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. Let us continue to unite our hearts and our voices together as we pray our prayer of confession. Let us pray. Holy God, breathe new life into us. In spaces of idleness, inspire growth. In moments of doubt, may grace abound. In times of uncertainty, reassure us of your promise. May your love transform us, O Lord. Amen. Hear the good news that Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love towards us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen.
2: The epistle reading... 2 Corinthians, chapter 13, beginning with the 11th verse. Finally, brethren, farewell. Mend your ways. Heed my appeal. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. The gospel reading is Matthew chapter 28, beginning with the 16th verse. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted it. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the close of the age. This is the word of God for the people of God.
1: Thanks be to God.
0: So today is Trinity Sunday. This is a day when we affirm and rejoice in the mystery of the Triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one. It's one of the questions, uh, we have this thing in the Methodist Church called of Day Ministry where we interview uh, candidates for ministry. And one of the very first questions that we asked during this interview process is the question surrounding the, the Trinity, the triune God. It's a very important one for us. Uh, some people seem to be very clear about this mystery. Some people are utterly confused while others don't really care <laughs> that much at all. But it is foundational, uh, fundamental to our faith. Uh, While we may believe this Trinitarian theology to be so clear and self-evident to us today, it wasn't always so. Uh, There are a lot of conversations, debates surrounding this fundamental theology of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Most notably, a thing called Arian Controversy. uh, Early fourth century uh, between Arius and Athanasius, these two Christian theologians from Alexandria, Egypt. And it dealt with uh, substance of God the Father to that of the substance of Jesus the Son. It lasted many, many years. It didn't end, uh, officially end, until 381 A.D. during the Council of Constantinople, arguably one of the most important gathering of Christian leaders ever. Did you all learn this in seminary like I did? Yeah. So here's the thing. I can't imagine, I mean, we think we have disagreements today, but I can't imagine the early Christian leaders, the type of veracity of arguments that they were having surrounding something as perennial and important as the Trinitarian God Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Disagreements, debates, controversies. Paul speaks to this in 2 Corinthians throughout the letter matthew alludes to this even to the very end of the gospel you may have noticed that both of our scripture readings uh, these depict the last things that are said last things that are written this is how paul ends his letter to the corinthians and this is how jesus ends gospel according to matthew with his disciple in chapter 28 so let's start with paul first For those of you who may know uh, about the church in Corinth, both first and second letter to the Corinthians, you know, Paul, sure enough, he begins with greetings, hello, salutations, I give thanks uh, to God for you. And then he really lays in to these Christians in Corinth. Of all the troubles that they're having, of all the divisive rhetorics that they're sharing, of all the playing favorites that they're doing, lack of accountability, All the different strifes, disobedience, unfaithfulness. He goes on and on and on and on. Douglas Campbell, who's a New Testament professor from Duke, he's still there. He was there uh, when I was present many years ago. He made it his life work to examine the life and theology of Paul. And Dr. Campbell says there are 15 distinct, specific problems within the life of the Corinth church the early ancient church. And he further writes that any of those 15 problems could have, should have, would have splintered the church into pieces. And they had 15 of these said problems. You know, we talk about the dysfunction within the church in the 21st century more specifically, more personally to us. We know about the, the divisions within the United Methodist Church. So here's good news and bad news. You ready? We'll start with the bad news. Here's the bad news. We have problems. It's all true. (laughs) We have problems within the life of the church. We have divisions within the life of the United Methodist Church. These are all real. We deal with it every day, every Sunday, every season. Here's the good news. I mean, I think it's it's kind of good news. There's the good news later, but I think this is kind of a good news, too. It's nothing new. We've been having problems from the very inception of the church, right? You're not telling us anything new. We know we got problems. We're the ones who live with it every day. We are not uh, unlike any of the families that I know, including the family that is of my own. Every family has problems. Our family that is Myers Park United Methodist Church, our family consists of over 5,300 members. Family that is United Methodist Church consists of over nine million members worldwide. Yes, it's hard to agree on things. We have problems, you know, in some odd way. maybe I'm wrong to think this way, but Paul does, in his letters, provide an interesting, odd comfort for me. Paul reminds us that we, as a church in the 21st century, we didn't invent congregational conflict. It's been there uh, for centuries, for thousands of years. So how does, then, Paul ends his letter to this so-called problem church that is the Corinth church? Does he end his communication with a certain kind of rebuke, the last of the pointing of the finger, How does he end his correspondence? He says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. That's how he ends his letter. Did those words sound familiar? It should. It's our benediction most Sundays. Paul does not end with admonition, but instead Paul ends this long, challenging, difficult, quite painful letter with a call to peace, to remind this troubled church of the love of God and the peace of Christ, to remind the ancient Christian church and the church in the 21st century, God will not leave us to our own devices as we journey through our challenges. Peace of Christ will be with you. Beverly Gaventa, she's a New Testament professor at Princeton, she writes these words. She asserts that for Paul, the relationship among believers has a Christological warrant. It is based directly on God's action in Jesus Christ. Believers do not belong to themselves. Believers belong to Christ. The possibility of any kind of hope, any and all hope, even in the darkest of brokenness, it's not from you or from me. It's from God. It is possible because of Jesus that God will bring about resurrection even in the midst of a certain kind of, of death. So we have said divisions here in the 21st century, more specifically within the United Methodist Church. We just heard about the, the Aryan controversy of the early 4th century. We read about in extensive detail of the problems that the Corinth church faced. These are first, second-generation Christians. You rewind the tape a little bit, and then we come to Matthew 28. We read about the disciples. There are 11 of them because Judas is no more. 11 of these disciples, they gather as instructed by Jesus. Remember that this is post-resurrection. They gather in Galilee. We read that in Matthew 28, that they gathered and worshiped Jesus. And then did you catch the last part of that sentence? But some doubted. Isn't that amazing? Some doubted? Some doubted? After three years, after after all that they've gone through for three plus years, with all the witnessing, serving, with all the healing, forgiving, with acts of mercy and grace, with breaking of the bread, the sharing of the cup, with uh, the crucifixion, death, and resurrection of Jesus, after all of that, some doubted. And here's the part that I didn't think about until this past week. We don't know how many of these people are, the sum, quote unquote. So if it was one, maybe Matthew would have written one doubted. If it was all, maybe Matthew would have written all doubted, but we know it's some. It could have been two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. What if the sum constituted the majority? What if the sum was eight, nine? How dare they doubt after all that they've after what, all that Jesus has done? Some doubted. Surely, Jesus must have known these doubts, too. What would he have felt? What's the status of his heart as he knew his disciples to have these doubts until the very end? In Star Wars, episode 4, as we all know, think about that passage. In Star Wars Episode Four, there's a scene uh, between Darth Vader and one of the Imperial uh, admirals. And this admiral is raising doubts, sneering uh, in regards to the old and outdated ways of the Jedis. And it is in response to this that Darth Vader has one of the greatest cinematic lines of all time. Remember what he says? He says, I find your lack of faith disturbing. It sounds a lot more menacing when James Earl Jones says it, <laughs> but I do my best. I've been practicing this week. This is not how Jesus responds. What does Jesus say in the midst of doubt? He says, remember, I am with you always to the end of the earth. Remember, I am with you always unto the very very end Jesus does not deal with the doubts by belittling them or punishing them Jesus simply reminds them in all of your coming and going in doing in all of your spaces and moments of doubts remember I am with you always you are never left alone being a beloved community that is the church is not so much about agreeing on one thing or few things or everything. I mean, we just, we're just never going to be that way. But instead, of being the beloved community that is the church is to keep our eyes on Jesus, to know the one whom we believe, despite all the things that we disagree on. And perhaps the antidote to our doubt is not more knowledge, but rather the antidote to our doubt is the everlasting presence of Jesus. When Jesus says, go out into the world, make disciples of all nations, it's not because we are absence of doubt. Perhaps we make disciples despite all of our doubts because of the presence of God is with us. And we don't need to to look too far. The very presence of God is already here, is with you, with me, and with the church. So here's another mark of discipleship. Trust in the presence of God. Trust in the presence of God, especially in moments of our doubts. For God is with us for God is here. Thanks be to God. Amen.
1: Let us go to God in prayer. Creator God, Holy One, maker of love and source of joy. We give you thanks for the infinite variety of your creation. We bless you that we are fearfully and wonderfully made and that everyone is your beloved. Lord, in your mercy. Compassionate God, we seek your mercy today and confess, especially when we don't love, interact, care, or include our fellow sister and brother as we ought More so, we confess that we have chosen paths of least resistance. We have become silent, complacent, and acceptors of the status quo. And so we pray that our eyes would see as yours do, that our hearts would soften as yours, that we might truly be a people of inclusion and welcome personally and as a church with and for the most vulnerable. Lord, in your mercy. God, we pray for vulnerable communities, especially those who have been violated by violence, for our neighbors struggling for food, shelter, and dignity, and for our efforts to be loving neighbors and steadfast friends who walk beside them. Lord, in your mercy. Merciful God, we lift to you now families who grieve and mourn throughout our community, but especially for those who are close to us. And so we lift to you the family of Michael Berry as they mourn his death and celebrate his life. And we lift to you the family of Muffin Dalton Grant as they mourn her death and celebrate her life. God, there are many more who are struggling this day, struggling with sickness, anxiety, stress, marital turmoil, loss of friends and family due to small to large disagreements. And we know, God, we know that you can move in holy and healing ways. So we pray for your healing and reconciling to be present with these persons. Lord, in your mercy. God, empower us to walk in the way of love, to welcome the excluded and care for the vulnerable, to work for justice and rejoice in the spirit of life that Jesus calls us to lead. We ask all this in Jesus' holy name, who taught us to pray as one family, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And as we continue this time of worship by giving back to God our tithes and offering, we lift and celebrate the robust ministry of our young adults, knowing that they are growing in their faith and going out into our community, forming community, and seeking transformation. So we thank you for your generous giving. generous God, what a joy it is to give back to you. May we be wise with these gifts that we can go into this world to make community and generational change. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: May the presence of the everlasting God always be greater than the sum of all of our doubts. Now may the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God, the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore.